the restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. We tell their stories on the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? Welcome back to the Paper Trails Podcast. I'm Nick Alger, Mitchell's host, and uh, excited to have you guys on. Uh, and we are at the Crunkleton, um, and this is Elizabeth. Elizabeth area? Yeah. Possibly Middlewood? Yeah, what are we considered? Definitely Elizabeth. We're Elizabeth. nestled between uh, Myers Park and uh, Plaza, Plaza Midwood. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, super pumped uh, to be here. And we have a couple of guests. We have Ryan Hart and Chef Greg Balch. And so, super pumped to have these guys here to chat. Uh, they run the Crockleton, right back of the house, kind of front of the house bar. Bar manager um, and uh, executive, executive chef. chef. And so, uh, and then we also have uh, you know, some other projects that we'll talk about, you know, cheats, ch- cheats, cheese steaks. steaks parlor, yeah. So definitely want to ask about that, the, the cheats part, but uh, awesome. guys, welcome on the show. Appreciate you coming out and um, coming and filming with us. And so maybe first let's talk a little bit background. How did you guys get in the food industry? You know, is it, you always knew you wanted to get into it? Was it, you know, how, how did that even pan out? Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having us. We really, uh, really appreciate it. This is actually my first podcast. Okay. Mine as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, the immediacy of it's kind of interesting, right? Like, yeah. we're rolling, baby. Like boom. <laughs> um, anyways, for me personally, uh, I went to college uh, at ECU. Okay. Um, like most people that go to school at ECU, it did not go <laughs> exceptional. <laughs> and uh, my my extremely loving family, uh, you know, kind of bailed me out. And and my cousin David actually was going to school at Johnson Wales okay. with Greg. With me. Okay. Uh, and you know, opened up his uh, apartment. Was like, you know, I got an extra room. Come stay with me. And he got me a job at the Charlotte City Club. Okay. So at 21. Uh, walking through the doors of the city club, everybody's in you know the penguin suits, you know that pretty much a tux without the jacket, and yep. uh, it's the. It, I mean, I don't know how it is today, but back then it was like a who's who of of Charlotte, and uh, you know I went from eating Bojangles and Domino's pizza pretty much every other day uh, to going to these like wine dinners, and you know there was all these like kids from. I don't know, well-to-do families that knew how to drink and cook. And so my whole world exploded when I moved to Charlotte. I mean, okay. I moved to a bigger city, but then- well, What year is that? That's 2006, summer okay, so 2006. It's pretty, a lot of the growth that Charlotte's had, right? Yeah, yeah and that was- Tumbleweeds. Yeah, it was honestly something I kind of noticed uh, starting uh, at the city club was, you know, there was not every niche had been filled. Uh, you know, Charlotte was ripe for kind of the pick in. And you know, over the last you know 15 years, we've seen you know, kind of that growth. Major growth. Oh yeah, it's insane. I mean, South End used to be where you go pick up your car when it got towed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was not like the hot popping. Now it's definitely not <laughs> yeah, that. No. Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I kind of got, you know, cut my teeth in the industry uh, starting in fine dining. I mean, I remember, you know, back waiting, you know, polishing silverware and just kind of being the, the little, little hoss that would bring all the food to and from the dining rooms and I uh, worked a ton of banquets and um, was that your first food job or no? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, every kid starts off Plus a table. some, yeah, some ice, table. ice cream shop or some yeah, sandwich shop. But, or, but for me, it was Chargrill when I was 15 okay. up in Raleigh. And, and honestly, you know, we'll get to that later, but had a big influence kind of on what we're doing with cheats. Nice. Um, and uh, our first fine dining experience. Yeah, I mean, it was coming from the land. So you're the of, Char Grill that was uptown or downtown? Six Forks. Six Forks. Okay. Or Strickland. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I did that. And I worked at a deli too, which also had a big influence. Okay. Um, uh, Boondini's uh, in Raleigh. Shout out if uh, it's rest in peace. It's closed uh, closed two years ago, but. Um, but yeah, once once you kind of break into the the real kind of sit down fine dining wet linen tablecloth, like I realized that there was a lot of like professionals, you know, like working at you know a, a burger joint at deli, like we weren't really surrounded by people that you know we would call like hospitality professionals. You know, we were kind of yeah. just there to keep keep the the wheels greased, you know. Um, but yeah, the City Club was awesome. I got to meet all kinds of uh, like famous actors and politicians. Uh, I remember I brought Bob Dole some popcorn and he looked at me and he was like, son, this is the best popcorn I've ever had. And I was just like, holy crap, it's Bob Dole. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it, was, it was a really, I mean, Obama came through, uh, he, did a, he did a continental breakfast, I'll never forget it. Continental, which means no eggs, right? Is that right? Yeah, it's just, yeah, just bagels and coffee. And stuff. Yeah. And it was $35,000 a plate. And you got his, you got his book. It was a fundraising thing. $35,000 a plate. Crazy, right? Somebody raised some money. Yeah, I'll, I'll say. Um, All 12 people enjoyed it. But yeah, and then I, I did it. So my cousin actually got promoted to be a, a manager there. We lived together and it was just too much. And so I left for uh, an illustrious uh, high-end fine dining seafood joint called Blackfin, okay. <laughs> or so I thought. From the outside, it looked like it was going to be in yeah. the, the brand and everything else. And so I was very surprised on the first day of training when we went over the food menu and it was like burgers and fries. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Um, so that kind of started an illustrious tour of the epicenter and I can honestly say, especially now that I think the news came out the other day that it's being completely demolished. Oh, is it? They're like, or I don't know, it's like 90% vacant and they've defaulted on their loan and everything else. But, you know, starting there and I want to say it was like 08, 09, like right when it was opening up, uh, it was the hottest place on the planet, I feel like. Um, and so it was a fun place to spend your mid twenties, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, my first uh, real bartending job was at Enso, the um, uh, the sushi spot, and then uh, I got recruited over at Mortimer's, and that was really where I learned to bartend. There was a gentleman named Stephen Wilfong there that yeah, he, he had just moved from New York City and kind of brought this like crazy, like over the top personality, uh, as well as a little bit of like flair bartending to to the game for me, and uh, kind of really taught me the you know engagement yeah well just like the engagement side you know like anybody can make drinks um you know it, it doesn't sometimes it doesn't even matter if they're well made or not if you're really engaged with the bartender and i can definitely say prior to ever really getting any serious bar training that that was the thing that kept a lot of bars in in charlotte rolling was you know just having bartenders that having a engage. buddy having a buddy back there you can yeah. talk to yeah um what's the what's the biggest thing that you learned from steve was that oh my the God. Yeah, and you know the idea of the kind of New York buyback. You know, like if somebody's sitting there having you know four or five Bud Lights. You know, throw one on the comp tab. You know, like yeah. hey man, this one's on me. You know, thank you so much for coming in. And you know, it's very much a the hospitality industry is very much a game of you know give and take. Yeah. Really, like any relationship. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was probably the biggest thing. I mean, God, he was so funny. I remember, I feel like I'm a, like an A-type personality, I suppose, and when I'd get around him and bartend, I'd be like a C or a D. I just, he, was just, he was so smart, it would just like crush you. 
you know what I mean? Like, I, I couldn't even think quick enough to, like, you know, reply to some of his funny jokes and stuff, so that was pretty wild. I also got to work with Bob Peters, who's, who's a very well-known bartender in the city there, and, you know, talk about a... I mean, that guy would be like slap a 20 on his forehead. I, I never really understood what that was, but it used to drive people nuts and he'd keep that 20, you know? Uh, but he could like take a Bud Light and flip it through the air and stall it on his hand and like fly it over to guests. I mean, wow. just like the showmanship side of it. And uh, yeah, cause when you're, you know, you always hear like, it's kind of a generic hospitality statement, but like, you know, uh, we're all on stage, you know, uh, we're actors and actresses on a stage. Actually, that was from the City Club step card. But it's, you know, it's true. Like, you are, you are putting on, you know, somewhat of a performance. And, uh, you know, hopefully, especially now as manager, we try and find people that it's more, it comes from an altruistic, like, natural place. Yeah. It's not fake, you know. Uh, we've all had that, that waitress or bartender. It's like, oh, hey. Hey guys, how are we doing today? With our 37 like, oh, pieces of flair. Yeah. The T Chef Rock and Roll Cafe. Oh gosh. Come on now. But just to, to, to piggyback on that, Ryan, that I think that anybody watching this can take is the relationship of any industry. Oh yeah. You know, I, I give, you know, my youngest brother just graduated college this past May. And, you know, listen, there's probably some great things you can learn from college, but my thoughts and my suggestions and tips were hit to him were meet, meet everybody, create good relationships, don't burn bridges, get to know your professors, know your, cl your classmates. They're all going to go in different locations and different businesses, industries. Like, you need to know these connections, get their numbers, because you never know where these relationships may be. Or who, who people will be, you know, and I think that's a five or ten extremely years. true. I mean, that's a young man's uh, kind of... Uh, biggest you know failure sometimes is not you know burning like you said burning bridges and uh, you know not uh, not thinking long term, long -term yeah. yeah absolutely I mean I've seen some people like I knew I knew Greg in college you know yep. and uh, I'm ne I'll never forget uh, and I tell this I tell this story to the guys all the time but um, you know, I'll never forget, he, he messaged me on Facebook. It was like, oh man, I heard you're coming to the Crumbleton. This is kind of before I was like at another restaurant and I was like really felt super loyal to it. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I don't know, keep that on the low, you know? And I'm like, and I'm like, but you're working there? <laughs> they got you? <laughs> this, this, this degenerate? Yeah, this degenerate? <laughs> but what I didn't know is that over the last 15 years, you know, Greg has just been, you know, learning from all these different cuisines and really honing his craft. and. Yeah. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that, like, you know, I think the bar program here is uh, is excellent, um, but we wouldn't be where we're at if it wasn't for the incredible food that, that we're able thousand. to, oh man. I mean, starting from that humble menu with them weird sugar toads yeah. to, where, to, where, <laughs> to where we're at now. Um, I chased but, sugar toads like this year, try to bring them back just for, you know, by popular demand. Oh uh, yeah. They, they didn't swim this way this year. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, the restaurant I was at prior, uh, there was so many touches and there was so much kind of avant-garde and so much explanation required uh, that coming here and, and I'm looking at our burger and it's got a piece of American cheese on it. I'm like, really, dude? Like Kraft Singles? Kraft Singles, though, but it's got to be Kraft Singles. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, you couldn't do some like aged cheddar or smoke something or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, man, he's like, F that. He's like, there's not a better cheese for a burger. And, and I have to agree with him. You know, it's just the, the meltiness, the creaminess, 
Um, so again, like kind of juxtaposing that super avant-garde style chef to kind of coming in here and working with him who you uh, care less about using some esoteric ingredient, but really like, is it going to be delicious? Is it yeah. well seasoned? Is it prepared yeah. the same way every time, you know? Uh, and then because of the kind of openness of this place, you know, we're one big room, you know, I see Greg at tables constantly and it's not, you know, only going to talk to the other big exec chefs that come in or like if it's South Park magazine or whatever, it's everybody, everyone, you know? And I, I mean, I had a, we had a guest, um, you know, that has like, she has like a little card that she brings in that basically says, I can't eat pretty much anything on the planet. Uh, I had one and, come in last night and she was like, I'm bringing my husband here. Yeah. And she was like, here's his card. I was like, we'll bring him in. And I, like, I got him. <laughs> but Greg made a custom dish for her. And when he brought that. it to her, like she literally started crying. I love that. Yeah. She's, she can eat about seven or eight things on planet earth. <laughs> she literally, I mean, it's like avocados, carrots, leafy greens, lemon, rabbit food. I mean, it's, it's next to nothing, but we made like all these carrot curls. I mean, it was just a beautiful dish, but so here you go. And when I mean, she's come back, I mean, like gave, got up, gave me a hug, started crying. It was awesome. And, and like you said, getting back to the relationship side of things, you know, it's, uh, it's taking care of the people that are taking care of your business. Um, you know, it's, it's always over leveraging, you know what I mean? Like you hear the term growing up, give 110%. And to most people, I think that just means like, oh, I'll try really hard. Yeah. But it's about that, like, okay, do what's expected, which is the 100%. Yeah. And then do like a bunch of other shit too that yeah. isn't expected of you and that you might not be getting paid for that, you know, might be outside of your comfort zone. But it, when you over leverage like that, you always uh, see like uh, massive returns. Yeah, you always win. Yeah, I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk's, you know, the biggest proprietor of that. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I lived with David, he was the wine guy. And we, yeah. we'd watch his little wine vlogs. And he's like the craziest guy, like, let's give it a sniffy sniff, you know? And right. yeah, dude, he was the best, man. I remember him like one time, he's like, I don't even know what you are. You're just a little slut wine. I'll never forget, it was just the funniest, he was the funniest wine reviewer I've ever seen in my oh life. My but now like, you know, that, that he's on like the entrepreneurial side, he, yeah. he does talk about, he tells a really great story about how there was this gentleman that was a big like Bills fan or something and yeah. got a, a signed jersey and sent it to him. It was like, you know, thank you for your business. And, and he didn't get anything directly from him. But the guy went around and told everyone, like, this is the most incredible business that I've ever worked with. They sent yeah. me this thing. I didn't even really deserve it. Yeah. And then somebody else called and ordered, like, you know, $10,000 worth of, you know, the Chateau Montelaine or whatever. And uh, he tells that story all the time. And I, I think that's just so... Uh, indicative of like what we do but you know, maybe not a Bill's jersey or whatever but like sending out that plate yep. uh, that's off the menu or yep. you know making vegan mayonnaise yeah, or whatever somebody comes in like you vegan haze I'm like sure we do he's like let me go blend up some peanuts and you know he figured it out he'd never some, done it some, some aquafaba and there you go um, yeah and it, it, I mean I remember when I was at Mortimer's the first time I ever had that kind of experience this guy came in and asked for I'll take a, a vodka and diet Sprite and you know, immediately your eyes roll in the back of your head. You're like, "Come on, man! Like, what bar has Diet Sprite?" You know what I mean? Um, but thankfully, there's a CVS in the epicenter, and I was like, "Yeah, just give me one second, without hesitation." I ran over there, got a Diet Sprite, came back, and made it for him. And Love that. He was like, "He's like, he's like, is that a bottle of Diet Sprite?" I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Where'd you get that?" He's like, "It's not on the gun." I was like, "No, it's not on the gun." I just ran over to CVS to 
hey, I'll get this for you. And I, that guy's face, you know, was just so like blown away. And I just think that, you know, it cost me what, like a dollar yeah. fifty or whatever to get yeah. that. Um, and that guy with that came huge in. gratification, that immediate gratification that yeah. you get. And it made yeah. me feel great. Yeah, it made me feel great too. But you know, that guy came back. You know, almost every other day until I, I left that bar. You know, and uh, I don't know. I just think that uh, the people that show up to work and it's very transactional. Like they never kind of really see the magic and the beauty of what this industry can uh, can bring to the table. And you know, the, the people that that really are the lifers. As it's such a horrible term, right? I know. For service industry, I'll, I'll never forget. There was this guy named Michael Moriarty. Rest in peace. And uh, he used to give me the hardest time in the Charlotte City. He was like from New York. And uh, I called him a lifer one time. I was like, whatever, you're a lifer. You're going to, you know. And he looks at me, he's like, oh, you. He's like, you got it written all over you. He's like, you're going to be a lifer too. And I'm like, like at you know, 22 or whatever, thinking like, I'm, I'm going to get out of this industry. I'm going to go back to school. And, yeah. Yeah. and right. here I am, 37. Yeah. You know, I've opened 12 restaurants. and opening one of my own for the first time you know, towards the end of the year and, and yeah yeah love it man you know a lot, a lot of good stuff you said there i mean you know about you know and maybe gary v that says this but you know doing the right thing is always the right thing you know and you know over you know just under promise and over deliver every single time and you will keep those customers coming back and back i mean i think of my dad you know we have restaurants as well but he'll be in the front, you know, it's just classic 68-year-old Greek guy that yeah. came here with nothing and, you know, just try to provide for his family and he's out taking our, you know, homemade onion rings to, to his friends out there and just making sure everyone's super happy and that's why they keep coming back, you know, to see my mom, you know, host us sing in the front of the weekends and my dad comes by and so, um, I love that, I love that. Greg, give us a little of your background, give us, um, you know, how you got into this amazing industry. All right, so, uh Grew up in Raleigh. I mean, not far from where Ryan was. Did you guys uh, know each other in Raleigh? We didn't. Or no? No, we we did didn't. Okay. Ironically we enough, I don't. Know, I don't know how we didn't. I'm sure we. So we have went some... to a, the rich kid school, and I went to the normal people school. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so grew up there. Um, <clears throat> my family had a farm, had a 1,700 acre farm. Okay. Um, spent a lot of time there uh, through parts of elementary, middle. I lived there. Um, my grandma had a. Uh, catering company she catered like to the migrant workers and farmers and stuff like that my grandfather was in tobacco so she um would get up biscuits you know bacon grits whatever and deliver it to you know, the migrant workers and the farmers and that stuff and then did a lot of catering uh weddings parties whatever very very small town harney county yeah. um and so i just was always kind of hands-on in the kitchen you know loved it, it just was part of life like picking beans uh, shelling pecans, shucking corn, just anything canning. It was just how life was or how I perceived life was. Um, and then as soon as I got old enough to hit the industry, uh, 14 pulled a work permit and it was like, this seems fun. You know, it's fast paced, it's, yeah. it's, you know, whatever. So I jumped into the catering side with Sisters Catering in Raleigh, which is a real high end catering company. Um, so I got the front of the house piece. I would go in in the morning, work in six, seven in the morning till two or three in the afternoon, okay. then change into the penguin outfit. And then I would serve from five, six at night till two o'clock in the morning and wow. then make a ton of money. Um, oh, how old? Uh, like 15, 16. 
Missed strong hours. Um, well, I mean, it's just, it was back then. And it's the Energizer Bunny, man. Well, <laughs> it wasn't technically like legal, but as long as I wasn't doing anything bad, it was it was yeah. fine. And same thing with Applebee's. I worked with Applebee's and I was prepping at the age of 14, 15. You Which could Applebee's in Raleigh? Uh, Six Forks and Wake Forest Road. Dude, I'm, you might have. Uh, yeah. I might have been in there with, with pops, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, um, that's wild. But I mean, I, I wasn't old enough to technically use a knife, okay. but I'd been doing it forever. So, sure. I mean, I was back and said, hey, you guys need some help. You're short. You know, I don't mind. I can yeah. I can cut zucchini. I can do that. And so they're like, all right, this guy's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I, I fell in love with it. It was just a different pace. It was a different animal. It, I couldn't sit at a desk. I knew that. I was, I'm ADHD from A to Z. I mean, I just like, can't do it. So I fell in love with the industry. I ended up going to college in Miami. Thankfully, I had a loving family as well that was willing to pull me out. And I was like, looks too much. I can't, I can't do Miami life. It's just way too much. So came out, moved back home. I started working for a company, Nofo, uh, at the Pig, which is at Five Points in Raleigh. Okay. Uh, they opened, we're gonna open one in Charlotte. Um, and it was about the time that I could, was eligible to go back to Johnson & Wales, because okay. uh, uh, Charlotte opened for freshmen only. Um, so I had to wait till I could qualify to get back in on the third trimester. And moved here, and uh, no place to live, sleeping on buddies' couches, but I knew it was like, I need to be there. And then um, started school, ended up, being part of the team that opened Radcliffe on the Green, which is the first, well, not the first, but I guess the most renowned uh, sustainable local restaurant in the city to kind of put that whole slow food movement on the map. What, what year is this? Uh, 2007. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to get recognized by USA Today uh, and Mother Nature Network as uh, one of the top chefs under the age of 40 in the country wow. uh, for the sustainable movement. Um, Sean Brock was in there. It was me and Sean Brock. We had the two Johnson Wales graduates for me and Sean Brock. Okay. Um, you, say Sean, you say Sean Brock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean's from the Charleston, right? Yeah. So me, me and him were the two. I mean, it was in the Johnson Wales flyer. Me and him were the only two graduates that got mentioned in the top 40 under the age of 40. Nice. It's like one of those things you have to see it to believe it. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, just I, got, I got to prove. I, I got Sean Brock until I had. I got uh, it framed. Yeah, oh, I bet. I bet. I had uh, uh, Chef Wheeler on. Daniel Wheeler. Daniel Wheeler, he's next door. Yeah, so. Gr- you know, we, great we, cat, I, man. I did a podcast with him in our first season, and he was telling me about Charleston. And I, I mean, he, I, worked, I, he worked for Sean for nothing, for free, he, forever. He told, me, he told me. He's like, man, I'm 14, gonna, 15 hours a day. I'm like a beating and working for him, but he's like, you know, I learned so much. And, you know, I can anyway, only imagine. I, yeah. yeah. So, um, continue. Yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, that. Mark Hibbs is the chef there, um, and he really introduced me to Charlotte. I mean, helped put my name on the map. Uh, The restaurant did a lot of great things. Um, I'm forever thankful. I mean, without that, I don't know where I'd be right now, but he introduced me to, I mean, to everybody. Um, And I've kind of spun off on that career and and going back to like keeping your, like knowing your professors, knowing your friends. Pretty much most of the movers and shakers now in Charlotte, we were all buddies degenerates back in college. I mean, we all ran together, hung out, cool hung out together. Now it's like, it's hey man, cool. we, we call them up, yo bro, I need, need this, whatever. And it's it's really cool to have that tight knit community yeah. of just, you know, kids that kicked it around back in the day. Yeah. Um, after Ratcliffe, I did a stint at South Minnesota Retirement Community uh, with Chris Reed and um, my buddy Travis Fisher. She got hired, it's, so it's a South Minnesota is a CCRC, Continued Care Retirement Community. Okay. Um, and they wanted it, Sedesco, Morrison, Compass Group, they were all bidding on the contract because it housed like 400 and some people. Wow. Um, and they could come and go as they wanted. You know, they're big movers and shakers of, in the community. Um, but they didn't want processed canned frozen. Uh, 
the um, director of operations wanted to bring a team in that could do fresh, in-season, local, nice. when possible. So Chris got the job, and then she called me. She's like, well, I need you. I was like, well, I need him. I was like, well, they agreed to hire all of us. We're like, okay, let's do this. So it took okay. us it took us almost five years, but we succeeded in beating out Morrison Compass, Sodesco, um, and implementing a program that was fresh, that was in-season, that was local wheat, uh, partnered with South Mech and grew a huge greenhouse, huge garden, had a huge garden uh, on site as well, um, where the residents would work it, you know, be able to like play in the dirt, cool. big raised bed, so if they had issues with mobility, they could still work the gardens, um, which was huge. I mean, what did you, what did you learn from that? Cause I mean, going from what, the, re- the restaurant? I think I learned a lot. I think I, that was probably what instilled like the patience and the like hospitality the most into me is you have 400 grandparents. Um, so, and they have lots of allergies and restrictions because of medications and yeah. you, you kind of learn that it's not, they're not being nitpickety or whatever. It's like, well, I can't literally, I can't have grapefruit because of my blood pressure medicine. Yeah, or I can't, yeah, 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 yeah. or my Chrome's is acting up real bad or this, yeah. this, that, and the other. So, and you, you want to take care of them because they're like your grandparents. I mean, they ask about you every day. How's your family? How's this? You know, and you see the same people. So, yeah. And then I kind of took from that, you know, that, that this is like your house. I mean, you spend more time here than you do at your physical address. So it's like, People that come in here, you should treat them the same as the people that come into your house. Yeah. It's just like, this is, they come here to have a good time. They don't come here to have a bad time. So you want to make sure they're having a great time. They're taken care of to the nines and they, they come that. back. And they, yeah. you know them by name, they know you by name. They see on the street, they're, they're like, hey, chef. I'm like, hey, dude, what's up? You know, so. So, you know, patience, empathy towards, yeah, you're, you know, what, you your know. guests. Because you never know. They might be having a horrible day and like, right. and you just that little, little bit extra you give yeah. could turn their whole day around. Yeah. And you know their whole week, their whole month. You don't, you don't know. What, um, what years was that? Uh, South Men, like two thousand and eleven, twelve. I kind of put you in, put you ahead of the curve on dealing with. I was like twenty. Restrictions. I was like twenty three. I mean, but it was it was interesting walking into a place that was about twenty years old at that point and the cooks there have been opening cans and boxes and forever for, forever, yes. for, for 15 to 20 years which i'm sure is kind of the norm for you know right for a, that type for of, that setting exactly. but i mean but if you saw the place now i mean it's ridiculous i mean it's ridiculous but i love that so but a- going in and like hey man i know fred i know you've been doing this for for 20 years this way i was like but today man we're gonna we're gonna cut a zucchini you know, or these are these are golden beets. These are beets. And they're like, no, beets are red. I'm like, well, these are golden beets. So we're gonna, you know, we grew them down. It's kind of exemplary of like the entire industry, though, right? Like so. But then it was those guys learned how to cook, yeah. and then those guys could then take that home to their families and yeah. cook for their families, and yeah. not not know that the only way you have the vegetables is out of a can, or the yeah. old, it's like so it was a it was a big learning experience for me of, of how to how to manage especially older people being a younger chef. Yeah. Like these guys are 20 years older than I am. And I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry, you gotta do what I'm telling you to do. And they're like, who are you? You know how to cook. And I'm like, yeah. maybe, I don't know, but this is what I'm here for. So um, it was great. And so once we accomplished that, I, uh, I went to Cantina 1511 and then I ended up taking the corporate executive chef role for Quantum Development Food Group. Um, what was that like? A lot of work. I mean, it was just, it was always running from here to there to there to here, uh, checking on multiple restaurants, make sure everything was the same between each one of them. Um, How many restaurants? There's just three. 
that was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Um, and then after that, it started opening, did a couple other spots. And then I heard about this and I was like, well, I'm comfy where I'm at. And they walked in where I was at and threw a contract on the table. They're like, what about now? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, we'll see. How about that? Yeah. And uh, the, the place I was at at the time didn't really like that they uh, came in and pitched me a job. So it opened this up and, um, uh -huh. Yeah, this has been great. Um, so, this, so the Crumpleton opened when? I want to say it was December 2019. Of 2019, I was it January no. of 2019? It was December of 2018. Because um, we're going on year three yep. this December. Okay, so it's, it's been here a few years. Anything, you know, is this different than what you've done? Is this, you know, how, how did this experience, you know, launching this new... Opening this versus opening some other stuff that the restaurants I've opened in the past have had prior units. So there was a little more infrastructure. There was, you know, a little more stuff to go on. Gotcha. With this, I mean, I'd never cooked on a nine foot wood fired hearth. I mean, I've camped a million times. I've cooked on fire a million times. I've grilled out a million times. Yeah. That's not a big deal. But yeah. I mean, to be on stage in front of people, you know, it was it was a big deal. The first time that, you know, it had been done in Charlotte too. Yeah, no, nobody done it. And so um, when we did decide to do food here, we initially thought it wasn't going to be a, uh, it was going to be a, a, a part of the scene, but it was going to be, you know, what, 20, 30% of sales. And you have to imagine, you know, the original up in Chapel Hill opened in 2008. Okay. You know, it's won all these accolades, best bourbon bar, uh, you know, Gary kind of rose to uh, nationwide, <clears throat> nationwide fame uh, as a cocktail bartender. He basically brought craft cocktails and uh, classic cocktails to North Carolina. I mean, the guy had to, most people don't know this about Gary, but um, you know, he had to code Luxardo. Uh, he had to code Chartreuse, Fernet, like all of these, you know, Amaros and, and things that, you know, we use in our day, day in, day out, yeah, day -day uh, and, you know, cocktail, you know, making world. They didn't exist in North Carolina at the time. Um, you know, he's coded you know, I would like humbly, like he won't tell you the total amount, but I bet it's anywhere from 60 to 70% of the special orders that you can get in North Carolina. Uh, Gary coded himself because he wanted them for his bar, you know, in the, and he helped other bars, uh, you know, kind of get started. He did a bunch of consulting, you know, some of it for free uh, for North Carolina bar owners. And, uh, you know, his impact is absolutely it's kind of really unfathomable f for north carolina wow. um so being so bar focused and there's no food whatsoever in chapel hill i doubt that when they opened this place they thought that anyone was really going to care about our food uh, but knowing that you know gary's mentality is just to keep trying and keep being great or whatever it is you know he'd never done food before but he wanted it to be special yeah. um and so doing the hearth and you know I think everyone and their mother saw that Francis Malman episode of Chef's Table. I think I've seen it like 20 times. It's incredible. I watched it last week. Yeah, and so I watched it like two weeks ago. It's so good. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of seeing like this, uh, you know, art of cooking with fire just really inspired tons of chefs throughout the world. But, you know, finally it was going to come to Charlotte, the style of hard cooking. And, uh, you know, I, can't, I can't imagine that they thought that, again, like it was going to overshadow all the work that he had done. So we really didn't plan on doing a ton of food. I mean, our kitchen is That's probably, it. 
probably, yeah, it's probably like a quarter of the size that it should be given the amount of volume. And, um, you know, they really, when we, we hit, we hit the ground running. I mean, I'm pretty sure you lit the fire for the first time. We lit the fire. We opened the doors we lit the fire, then opened the doors. And it was like, all right, guys, let's go. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's do this. Yeah. It's so like restaurant business too, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally the guy's on a ladder and I'm like, man, we opened the doors in three minutes. Are you yeah, almost we did done? That He's like, I'm almost done, like, man. I'm like, well, hurry up. Like I gotta light this fire. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the first day at Zeppelin. The, uh, uh, we got the liquor license. We got the call that morning at 9 a.m. Yeah. And it was like, let's go. And so I remember uh, one of the owners, uh, Jonathan, like drove back from Charlotte. He was he had spent the night in a hotel to get it. Yeah. Drove back from Charlotte. We slapped it up on the wall. Went to ABC. They'd ar- they already had our order ready to rock. When we got back, I want to say it was like 7.30. And we had a train of staff members from the, the front where the car was all the way to the bar just passing cases threw it up all on the wall and i want to say it was like a game of like inches like probably like five or ten minutes before people walked through the door and then we were just sitting there like swans yeah this has always been here it didn't yeah. just show up like that's the best bar it's like yeah you know what we've, we've been ready we're we're you know, we're you know gonna like, go, what, what place is going on chef i don't know pick one yeah, yeah pick like, one. i don't know pick one it's like we'll plate it up five different ways throughout the night whatever one we like we'll just stick with that one like it's yeah. cool it's like whoever has well, the best plate up we'll run with that well thankfully he had I think the experience, and I didn't know that about uh, the retirement community, but like the experience of taking something that was so set in its ways and then kind of getting it to this new place, you know, was very much indicative of opening any restaurant. You know what I mean? It's, you know, I talk about, you know, slow, gentle pressure. You know, you can't fix everything immediately. Uh, like you couldn't just go in there and completely remodel the kitchen. I, tr- uh, I, tr- I tried to really well, get you it done. I learned that lesson. And I learned it real quick that these guys weren't going to budge. Like, yeah, all right, we got to have, You have we muscle memory work. and you have to, you know, slowly implement, okay, like, you know, I'm going to teach you this technique today. And then eventually, you know, the law, again, thinking long-term, you'll get to where you want to go. Um, you know, for us here, uh, I wasn't on full time. So, you know, I remember the one of my bar shifts I came in and like one of the girls was, pre-peeling like lemons and I was like what are you doing she's like we're so busy we, we're gonna this is prep like I'm like prep peeling like no no no, no. we're gonna garnish to order what do you mean we can't do that I'm like we're gonna do it it's gonna be just fine and I remember at the end of the shift she's like oh my god I didn't know how you knew that we were gonna be okay I'm like just trust me we're not pre-peeling <laughs> lemon peels they're gonna be dry in an hour like there's no point you need the oil to, for them to be worthwhile but um but it was just like kind of like attacking like one thing after the next uh and then slowly but i think by by summertime we had really kind of caught our uh, you know our, our swing we yeah. finally found some really great talent i mean you know if there's something that you know anybody watching this needs to understand is that your staff and your human capital is almost you know infinitely more important than the capital that you 100%. even use to start up the business uh you know if you don't have the right managers you don't have the right people executing then you know, you're, the, the whole the whole cogwheel you know kind of falls apart, um, and so we had finally lucked into some really great talent, and uh, just the, you, me, and Hannah kind of started really yeah. kind of finding our vibe, and you know we just started crushing in the fall, crushed through like this incredible winter, and then COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> The restaurants you love, the food you crave, and the people that make it all happen. 
We tell their stories on the Paper Trails podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply.